Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi everybody, it's rucking time again. Uh, welcome to our roundup of all the events all over the world uh, that have happened since we were with you last. We'll be going to Santiago, Chile um, in one of the one of our stopovers today. First of all though, uh, let me introduce the panel. Uh, Mark Evans has become a, a much-loved panellist. I was going to give you all the clubs and sports he's been in, but we've only got half an hour today, so that would take up most of it. Welcome, Mark. Thanks. He's had a very difficult uh, day already. He was involved in a nasty verbal argument with himself in the phone box uh, earlier on. Secondly, um, and this is almost makes me quiver to say so, our other guest is Alex Lowe. <laughs> Good morning. Hello. Fun for that for Sir Alex, as he's bound to be soon. As many people know, he's now the rugby correspondent of the Sunday. T of sorry, he is now the rugby correspondent. He is now the rugby correspondent of the Times, well, the Thunderer, and is succeeding great men such as Peter West. Everyone remember Peter West, yeah, the great cricket commentator. He, um, Alex, will you be going on to compare, come dancing like Peter, or will you be sticking to rugby? <laughs> no, I, I'm open to all offers. You, yeah. live, you live in hope, don't you? Yeah, you do. If Hugo can, can compete, I can go and host it, I reckon. But the great man uh, Lowood, <laughs> also uh, in a lineage containing David Hands, and the last bloke whose name escapes me. Um, <laughs> but um, the, the great man is with us today, he's deigned to stay on the podcast. No, he's number one. Many congratulations, Alex. We look yeah. forward to working with you and Thank extremely you. well deserved. Yeah. Um, Premiership. Mark, mm. what's happening? Quinn's on uh, um, Friday evening maintained an incredible run of performances uh, by not only coming back from way back, but playing a really, really exciting brand of rugby. And indeed, the Premiership is... Uh, in many points, many not all, but many points, bursting out all over. What's happening and why? Yes, I'd agree with that. This is unusual for you and I. Um, <laughs> I, I went on Friday. I, I hadn't been to a, a live game other than the final for for a while, and and, and it was just it was just rocking. The the they did the occasion. All credit to Quinn's club, not just the team. That the occasion was terrific the fireworks the lights it was a genuine full house not just a season ticking mm. full house it was you just couldn't see a, you just you could hardly see a spare seat and the game was just wonderful and for both sides although i do think bristol have got some quite serious structural problems in their team 
Um, but they contributed um, enormously. What a bit shout at Henry Purdy on the wing, I thought, for them was terrific. Mm. He had a wonderful game. Mm. But um, Quinns were just, well, it's it's almost getting um, every day. Quinns were Quinns. They just, they just, they went 21-0 down. They didn't look thrown. They just kept playing. They'd already blown at least three chances when it was nil-nil. Um, and at half time, you just didn't feel they were out of it. Whereas normally you'd say 27 down, and that, it's mm. all over. Well, let's just go through the motions. You just felt they were still in it. And they're young. Uh, on the whole, they've got, they play a wonderfully attractive brand of football. They're confident, and they've got four or five players to come back in. That, that's the other thing. That is not Quincy's. Um, first choice team mind you I don't think hardly anyone gets their first choice team out these days mm, until right. you get right to the business end of the season if you can um, but yes it looks really promising going to sail this weekend aren't they yes um, that'll be a challenge uh, Alex first of all um, let us know where you were this weekend so Friday night I was at the stoop yeah. and echo everything Mark just said I mean what an occasion what a game what a performance from Quinns and then Sunday I went to the Coventry Building Society Stadium Blimey. Uh, for, for Wasps against Northampton, which, well, it wasn't quite the same as, as Friday night. Uh, it threatened to be early on, frenetic start, a couple of early tries, but it just became a, a bitty Everstoon game. S- but- Slotty never did two games in a weekend. Well, well done. Let me just ask you this about Quinns. One man is in the news at the moment above all others, and I like your opinion on it. Ugo Monia. Is he making a complete ass of himself on dancing? <laughs> I haven't watched it. Okay, well, fair enough. Um, well, I, I just wonder about his, his choice of career path, but uh, the great man. But there, there we go. So, so much, so much to uh, to unpick there in in the Premiership. We'll be delving into that now. Quinns were, were going like a bomb um, at the end of last season, start of this. Then they bring in a, a Kiwi coach, uh, not noted for um, expansive stuff, really, although maybe not, not a bad coach at all, which people thought that's slightly odd. But it does appear, rather than Tabai Matson imposing himself on Quinns, they've imposed themselves on, on Tabai. Well, that, that was for me, that was the challenge that, that he had, that he was he was coming into a, a, a setup that had just... That had clicked, and they'd found this this great momentum last season to storm to the title, and, and he wasn't brought in to, to to impose himself and change that. He his role really, his challenge is to is is to mould and like and keep that going. And as he said after the game, he, I mean, he took no credit for that performance whatsoever. He he said he they, this was just this was a spirit forged last season, and you know just, as we said quite remarkably. That semi-final um, at Ashton Gate was pretty much repeated at at, um, at the Stoop. Yeah, but I thought Bristol. This is going to be difficult for them. I mean, you go away and, the ch- and the, as the as the whistle comes, the crowd shouting, chanting, "One more try, mm. one more try." I tell you that that has an impact on it. It's going to be very very interesting to watch Bristol. They had it. They 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 dominated the first ten minutes of the second half. They they went they went coast to coast coast to coast asked some questions, and they nearly scored. And Simon Carrad got a got a handle on the blind side wing off a set play off a line mm. out. And I think if Bristol had scored, then they would have won. Um, but as it was, they in the end the difference of the semi finals they got smacked. 
Mm. I mean, this was not a na- in the end. It wasn't a narrow victory. It was nearly a thirty-point yeah, Muller in. We better c- c- uh, don't uh, uh, Harlequins to hog the whole podcast. No, no. But Alex Dombrant, lads, uh, last year uh, seemed to mark time. Really, Alex, um, is he now in pole position to be number eight for England? I, th- I think he probably. Well, I think he is in, in probably in this room. I mean, uh, Eddie has different views of how he wants his number eight to be, but I think the way that Quinn's set up, the way they play, just just brings the very best out of him. I think he dovetails brilliantly at the at the in that eight uh, eight eight ten combination with with, with Marcus Smith. Um, I've, I've, I the thing about Harlequins that um, is a bit different to Bristol is that their root, their foundations are so strong. You know, I know they they conceded three times early, but their their defence is strong. Their set piece is outstanding. So Marcus Smith was was superb when he came on. Don Brown was man of the match, but that their scrum demolished Bristol. Mm. And upon those foundations, they can then play, whether it's Care or Don Brown or or Smith. And Bristol don't have those foundations in any way. I saw them the week before against Bristol uh, against Bath, sorry, and, and they they won that game. But it was more that Bath threw it away. When when Bath attacked Bristol, they were they were all over the place. Uh, we'll come to Saracens in a minute, but um, Gloucester, Gloucester Gloucester Sale. Now Sale have to go away. Uh, sorry, Sale are entertaining um, Harlequins this week. Slight, a, a very poor start to the season by the standards we thought they they, they would be. So that is going to be a ferocious test for Quins up there. But what do you make of Gloucester Sale? I, I know you, did, you you weren't actually there, but seems to be a bit um, you score we score, but very exciting. And very important that Gloucester sneaked in at the last minute when uh, when Sale missed a conversion. So too early to say Sale are struggling, and too early to say it's a Gloucester revival. Uh, yes, on on both fronts, um, Sale have got. I, I guess Sale are hamstrung by by having so many players away. They're missing a couple of big South African players, um, but then then they don't have they don't lack depth. Mm. Um, they're just trying to manage some of their resources. Managing Manu to Alangi is a priority for them at the moment. Um, opposite here, opposite them, Mark Atkinson, from what I saw of that game, did you know, justified why he's finally at this sort of at thirty-one belated time in his career caught the eye of the England selectors. And I think you you saw with Smith and Esther Hazen on Friday night just what it is that England might have in mind for someone like Mark Atkinson. Mm-hmm. Um, Who's physical? Who'd be as a as a ball carrier at twelve would be much more impactful than Owen Farrell, but would also have um, a, a decent ball playing ability as well to to um, to play alongside Marcus Smith and, and and as a game in general, I think it it was one of those that it sort of summed up the the product. You know this this season has been an, outsta- an outstanding. Um, First, what, how we, four, five, four weeks of the season. The rugby has been outstanding. Mm. The entertainment factor has been off the scale, and in, in most games, like as a as a broad picture, the entertainment factor of the Premiership has been has been brilliant, and that is without a lot of a lot of the best players who are still to come back. This um, Mark, uh, in your uh, take, looking over the overall strategy, uh, we thought at the start of the season that London Irish in a, in a brand new stadium in a, in a gr- area of many bars, restaurants, and and sort of fun-loving people, um, that would be a good venue. Uh, their crowd this week was nearly 8,000, which was two th- uh, some like 33% up on the first when they lost to Leicester. Do you think London Irish are on their way to establishing themselves there? I hope so. 
I, I think it's it's quite it is quite a crowded market, but it is it is a big enough market probably. Or um, I think you know Saracens aren't that far away either. It, it, it gets a little bit crowded in that part of the world, mm. and. But I think London Eye Show are a very, very good side, and mm. I wouldn't be worried at all if I was them. And I, I think linking it to the last point about Gloucester, is this a Gloucester reli- revival? You, you, you look. I looked down the Gloucester um, backline before the game, and I just want to. I just want. This is a, a weak, in inverted commas, Premiership team, and I'm going uh, Woodward, um, Reece Samit, Lion, mm. Harris, Lion, mm. Atkinson. Newly in the England, England squad, yeah. Johnny May, legend. Mm. Um, Adam Hastings, who has transformed them in the last two weeks. By yeah. the way, uh, he has that looks like a really good signing. This yeah. for, for them, to, that looks really excellent. Um, and and Mian and Thorley, who I love, love watching him play. Can't get in the team. Not in the team. Um, and that's one of the weak sides of mm. the. And now, Steve's going to grimace when I say this. This is what. This is what gives me great hope, all right? When your sides who are ranked pre-season, maybe 10 and 11, as London Irish and Gloucester were, by most people, along with Newcastle and Worcester, well, I'll take Newcastle as well. Take those three teams who pre-season were seen as, well, they're not as, they, you know, they won't win it. They're three very good teams. They really are. Um, and I think that's incredibly encouraging for the league. I can't remember the lower half of the league being as strong as this in relation to the top half for about 15 years. Alex, let's take Mark's point on there. Uh, we just heard Gloucester's back division, which is almost championship winning. Does that hint that there's not enough Gloucester, real Gloucester forwards up front? Because they don't really put the finger on anyone anymore, do they? No, no, they don't. And, and that is that has been a, a challenge for them in the last few years, actually. Um, they've spent big money on a couple of positions, some of whom haven't. Just, just haven't delivered, um, and and I would say that particularly with a with a forward now running the show down there in Skivington, mm. that that will be the next stage of their development. The bat line has been outstanding for a long time, and now they they've got that plastic pitch down there, which will help will help the pace that they want to play at. Um, and Adam Hastings, you're right, Mark. I, I agree with you. He's been has been really impressive for them, but they just do need to to get a bit of the old King's home. Um, snarl back up front. Sorry, I don't want to be too much of a traditionalist, but plastic pitch at King's Home, <laughs> do me, a, do me a favour, will you? They ought, they ought to, yeah. they ought to stick in an artificial muddy pitch down there. Um, Saras, Saracens, uh, very, very interesting. Um, the ground was full in terms of all the capacity they could sell. That it did sell um, with a big new stand, uh, obviously towering above us, it, uh, the skeleton of it. And I noticed a real intensity in the fan, the fans, much more partisan and much more noisy. I think it was the first time they'd had the team back and they were determined to get behind them and that was really noticeable. Secondly, as Mark said, Newcastle Falcons were a unbelievably competitive team. The good, the good thing was that the, the temporary press box is a little construction, as you know, Alex, right on the touchline. And my God, you, can, you, you feel the, 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 the collision there. Uh, New- Newcastle was somewhat unlucky not to get a, a bonus point. Um, uh, but but Saracens, um, 
Certainly not there yet. Um, I, I hope this is not unkind, but Alec Davis at scrum half is really efficient, but he doesn't give them as much as Wigglesworth and and Ben Spencer did in in, in different ways. I still think they need a, a their midfielder short. Otherwise, really good. Billy Vanapola, excellent, outstanding, much more like his, his normal self. Max Malins is a tremendous is a tremendous footballer. The revelation of the season uh, to date has been um, has been Ezekwe in the uh, in the second row. Come back from Northampton, looks a really really fine player. He's obviously the lineout leader, gets around the field, and also Alex Lewington, as far as I'm concerned, is one of the best wings in the in the in the Premiership. So uh, yes, um, Newcastle certainly won't be at the bottom. Uh, Saracens maybe not at the top, but certainly very near the top. Did, did you think? The bits of that the game that I saw, Jamie George was playing angry. Mm. Mm, he was, and, you know, he, he's he's such an you know amiable, fun, loving. He plays with a smile on his face. Normally, mm. he played with a scowl on his face yes, at did. the weekend. And, yeah. and there's there's something there, and, and whether it's an England rejection, but it, it felt to me like you was he had a point to prove. You were seeing almost a part of his character that you don't normally see, and it yes. really infused his performance, I thought. I'd agree. It did, it I'd did. Agree. and uh, he uh, he was just about to score when uh, an intervention from the side, as, as he was about to dive over, uh, made it a penalty try, not his try. <laughs> Within five minutes, he scored down the other end. So that, so that, so that was nice. Uh, we didn't... Boys, I gather you weren't impressed by the Wasps' uh, Northampton game. I actually mm. really enjoyed it on TV, but... Um, not uh, the same peak as Quinns and, and other teams, but um, was the, the whole point of that game was surely that you had to win it because it wasn't a great game, no one was playing that well, so the key thing was, Mark, winning the game. Yeah, I, I, it, it started really well. I really enjoyed the first half an hour. I thought this was a... Ter- Northampton play, came out the blocks pretty well, Wasps absorbed like you do and they didn't have a lot of possession and then they hit them on the break with the first try to get back to sort of even Stevens or 10-7 or something. And then Northampton in particular just fell apart. Mm. It, it, it was so disappointing. They they made error after error after error. Some of them unforced, and it got a the game sort of fell apart. It got very bitty. One of my favourite words, you know, there was no flow to it. Mm. And you thought, mm, actually, having watched though even the Saracens game, Saracens play the way they play, and it's not to everybody's taste, but. It's quite error-free, although the first half hour they were very clunky as well. But I thought Northampton were really disappointing. For a team mm. that were unbeaten, that everyone said, well, is this going to be a year when Northampton looked like they might make a, a real sort of push for the title? They still might, because they've still got their away win at Exeter in the bag. And mm. but, but certainly yesterday, they looked pretty ordinary. Wasps look OK. They've got a lot of, quite a lot of players to come back. Um, they looked OK. Um Desperately sad to see Gaskell at the end. That yeah. was awful. Was that awful. did not look good. I don't know what he's done, but it... Did he just it, come back? I know, just from mm. a back injury. Mm. And it didn't look trivial, did it? That was that really put a dampener on it for me as well. Gopeth did what Gopeth does. Mm. You know, Amurga had mustered a few kicks. Jimmy, they sent Jimmy on and, and you know, they were, Northampton were giving away penalties for fun and he knocked a few over and that mm. was the end of it. Alex, let me just ask you finally on the Premiership. Uh, you were very well up with the the order of batting uh, in all the positions for England. Jacob Umanga um, was in the top two or three, um, maybe still be, but uh, for me, I think Wasser got to think long and hard about the 10 position because I'm not 100% sure 
that Jacob, while talented, is going to steer you to the top of the Premiership. God bless the bloke, but what your, what's your view? No, I, I, I think, I think I'm on the same page as you. I, I, I really like him as a as a kid. I like the way he attacks the game, but he just he seems to lack control. Like a, what do you think? I, well, I think Wasp play a bit like a French team. And I think their playmaker's Dan Robson. No, yeah, no, sure. Yeah. sure, and, sure. And, and so I think anybody playing 10 for Wasps, and, and, and I, I do agree that you know, Jacob made his reputation during that golden period Wasps had at the back end of the first COVID mm-hmm. season when, when they went on a real golden period. And since then, they've had an awful lot of injuries. But also, when you play 10 in a team like that... It's quite hard to control the team because mm. most of it's coming from nine. That's true. And Robson, I, I should have mentioned him when I was talking about that game, and I know this is is not going to happen. But if I was picking the England team, um, I'd pick an eight, nine, ten, twelve because I think this is so important. Mm. I'd pick Don Brandt, Robson, Smith, and Tuolagi. Very difficult. That to would argue with. that would be my mm. core of my middle of my team. That's where most of your decisions get made. And those four, I think, complement each other. It's, England's always got more players than it knows what to do with. The skill of being an England coach is to... Well, no, there's many. But one of the major skills of being an England coach is to get your selection right. It's not, you'll always have, It's not like being a Scotland coach. Mm. You know, you'll always have loads and loads of people sticking their hand up. Can you get the blend right? And... He'd be in my team because I think he'd fit well with Don Brunt. He'd fit well with Smith, and two Laggy gives you the out. That's twice we've agreed in the last ten years. It's I can't worry, believe it. It's a worry. I'll, I'll stop do. coming on this. Something's, something's gone wrong. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, I think that's the premiership just about done and dusted. So we're now going on to the Premier 15s, uh, the, the senior uh, ladies competition uh, in its uh, just after its fifth round. And today we've got a rising superstar with us, Jess Hayden from The Times. Jess, uh, I know you used to be a, a player. My team at Maidenhead is still short of uh, class players. I expect you to be at training on Thursday and uh, put your burgeoning journalistic career to one side just for the change. Morning, Jess. Thank you for joining us. Oh, no, thank you for having me. Really pleased to be here. Right. We, we were on, um, now had five rounds uh, of the... Premier 15s. Harlequins were reigning champions, as we know, and uh, and justly so. Since then, it's slightly come unstuck in, in quite spectacular fashion because they've lost two of their last three games and on the weekend uh, lost big to Bristol Bears at home, 24-5. What do we make of that? Is, is there injuries or are they in decline? So... This is more an achievement of Bristol Bears, I would say, because Bristol Bears have had a fantastic start to the season. It's because of Dave Ward coming in, um, their new head coach, and just a complete overhaul of investment at Bears. So the the women now have equal access to the same facilities as the men, which they're the first club to to really have that as a a principle. And, And there are Saracens and Harlequins also have similar, but Bristol Bears have made it absolutely as equal as possible. I wouldn't say the wheels are coming off for Harlequins just yet. Uh, they they are doing well, but I think it's just the the challenge of these new teams like Exeter Chiefs and Bristol Bears, who this mm-hmm. season have just really pushed forward. Exeter Chiefs last season were the the shock of the the, the shock new inclusion. Okay, no fluke, but um, Saracens uh, again, one of the perennial teams at the top, re-established the old order a little bit on the weekend by beating the the Chiefs at Saracens 32-19. Now, that must have been um, almost like a revenge or a resounding victory for them. Yeah, so you say revenge. It was, as I say, it was such a shock last season when Exeter Chiefs, who were the, the new team to the Premier 15s, um, ended their 33-winning match streak, um, which was the longest winning match streak in Premier 15s history. Um the Chiefs, Chiefs are one of these teams. They're very international at the moment. They've made lots of uh, key signings. And interestingly, Poppy Cleal, the uh, Saracens star, has criticised Exeter Chiefs a lot for the number of international signings they have um, because she thinks that it's damaging to the Premier 15s and that we should be uh, nurturing homegrown talent. Mm. So it was quite interesting, actually, to to see Poppy get player of the match and she just seemed to absolutely come alive uh, yesterday in that in that match. Let's just put um, um, front in one of our panellists on that. Mark, Mark Evans, homegrown talent or uh, attractive foreigners to make the premiership, put the premiership on the map, which is best? Um, both, but you have to control one. Otherwise, you end up um, where every player congregates in the in the league that's either pays the highest money mm. or has the highest profile okay. and uh, if you if the investment and it is investment is coming into a league in a country and part of the aim is to improve the national side and improve the depth of the national team you've got to regulate 
to find a balance between those two things. Okay, uh, this criticism that maybe Exeter not finding the balance. There's uh, another what you might call re- revenge victory with Worcester winning away. Worcester have been traditionally near or at the bottom. Uh, Jess, one away at Loughborough who being near the top. Now that must have been a real boost for Worcester Warriors. It is, yeah, and unfortunately for Loughborough, this is the sadly because Emily Scarrett has broken her leg and they're without yeah. her. It's they're really struggling um, in this season so far. For Worcester, it's fantastic. It is a, a, another boost for them. Um, Loughborough Lightning were a semi-finalist last season. So to give you kind of an idea of having a bottom of the table almost team beating them, it was quite a quite a shock. Um, yeah, it was a fantastic game. And just a, a great thing about that, we had the first Japanese player in the Premier 15s to score at goal. We haven't had that. You know, just showing where the Premier 15s is going. Um, when, when, when the powers that be... Um gave us the names of the teams in this. Darlington, Moden Park, Sharks were were probably well-deserving to be in there. Mm. One of the first things they did, stag- which staggered me, was excluded Tamara Taylor, one of the great players mm. of the era, from their squad. And they played, paid the price. They've conceded 100 points this year on one occasion, lost 31-0 uh, at home to Sale Sharks. Now, wh- are they struggling as badly as the results show? Absolutely. I think they've conceded 363 points in five rounds and they've only scored five. So it's it's really terrible. This is a team that uh, was part of the, the women's premiership before it became the Premier 15s and has been his, a historic women's rugby side. But is it's just really struggling. We don't have relegation in the Premier 15s, but of course, if we did, I really don't think that um, DMP Durham Sharks would be anywhere near this league, unfortunately. It's a it's a fantastic club, but I just think they've made um, they've made mistakes. They haven't made signings. They haven't made a a product for the for the women's players that competes with any of the top teams. And it means that why why would you want to play for that that side? And unfortunately, with players moving around so much in the women's game, players go to where there's investment and where they might mm. get paid to play, where they might win things. And you're just no player at the moment, unfortunately, is gonna go to DMP Durham Sharks. Let me just um, round up the final game, then I'll ask you a question about the whole tournament. Um, Wasps, incidentally, um, I was up there last week, they're now complete, completely sharing um, the, the new facility they got, which is absolutely unbelievable. And I was speaking to Giselle Mather about it, and she was wide-eyed, as I was, about the um, about the, the, the setup there. Uh, mm. they, they, they they saw off Gloucester Hartbury, not by, not by a lot, but was it significant that that was in a, um, a double header with the men? Because from what I could see uh, on TV, uh, there were a, a, a large number of the crowd stayed behind to watch. Well, Alex, you were there, weren't you? you saw yeah, the- yeah the, they moved the fans around from the far side to congregate all in the lower tier of one stand, which I think was definitely the right thing to do. There were some complaints um, I saw after on, on social of, of bars being shut and food outlets being mm. shut. So only one place was left open and that made it that made the fans who stayed behind for the women's game feel like an afterthought. Yeah. And as it happened, mm. when we arrived from in a taxi from Coventry Station, um, the, the flags and the post protectors for the women's game were lying out on the pavement just outside the stadium with one person sort of overseeing them to make sure no one ran off with them. It just felt like it was... The, the initiative is excellent just needs to be a bit brought a bit closer together. I know it's difficult with competing sponsorships and, and branding and that kind of thing, but if you're going to do it, I think you have to embrace the whole concept and, and, and keep the stadium open and, and and attract people to stay. And and 
it's it, it's a great step in the right direction. It doesn't feel like they're quite there yet. Yeah, um, I agree with that. Jess, fi- finally, um, these girls are, 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 are full-time in the sense of the, the hours they put in. Uh, really do have to uh, sacrifice probably their, 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 their social lives, their, maybe their family lives, maybe even their working lives to play. Um, what term is the situation? Do some of them, or how much, what percentage now get some sort of, of wage that could be called a living wage, or is it really hand-to-mouth stuff? I don't think there's, there are many who could say that they are full-time apart from the players who are on England central contracts. So the, mm. the new squad's just been announced for England. Unfortunately, we don't have um, similar in, in other countries apart from some part-time agreements with Scotland. Um, so most of these players get their main income from England, from the RFU, but Saracens have a, a really good kind of salary now that they... Uh, salary ca- There's no salary cap for Saracens women, Um not that they'd be anywhere near reaching it, but they they um, they do pay their players, which is great. It means that uh, a lot of players who maybe aren't in the England squad can still get some payment, but it's a it's still a part time wage. And a, a really good example of that is um, Sonic. So Sonia Green, who is a Saracens player, who this week became they say the first player on record to have achieved three hundred appearances for Saracens. But we, because we don't have records that go back that far, we don't know if she was actually the first, but we celebrated that anyway. And today she's back at Saracens High School as assistant head teacher. So she's played 300 times for Saracens, but she still works full time as an assistant head teacher. So that's kind of where the game is. Most, the vast majority of players have um, a full time job. England players have that advantage that they get a salary from the RFU as well. Mm-hmm. There are very few players who survive just on their um, Premier 15s salary. Well, let's hope that the league keeps on uh, keeps on growing, that there is more money available and, and good luck to Miss Sonic at uh, Saracens High School. Um, Jess, thanks for that roundup. Very good. Will you please come back as the season goes on to keep us up to date? With these issues and all of this, uh, whenever you do, it'll be lovely to see you. Okay, next, any other business, followed by our God or Goddess of the Week. Okay, there's other competitions uh, as well as the premierships in uh, men and women in England. There's the Ultimate Rugby Championship, which is uh, breaking out all over. Uh, I think you could say very, very mixed standards of games. Some very poor, some um, t- really good. Um, I was looking forward, Mark, to the game yesterday between two of the giants of, of rugby, uh, Scarlets and Munster. It was a home game for the Scarlets. Uh, they had their Welsh uh, uh, and Lions contingent pretty well back against a Munster team that was rotated, to say the least, almost a second team. Scarlet's 13, Munster 43. I'll just read you the other results before we come back to that. Osprey's Osprey's 18, Sharks 27. The Sharks team, as the Lions found, no great shakes. Cardiff 19, the Bulls, who've been poor for years, 29. Uh, This is not a new thing. What has happened? uh, uh, First of all, three awful results. Welsh club rugby, when we were young and down in Wales... Dominated. No, it couldn't dominate a wet lettuce. Yeah, it's depressing, isn't it? 
I'm really worried about Wales as a rugby nation, I'll be honest. Um, I'm worried about it for a whole host of reasons, partly to do with the structure, partly to do with the funding, partly to do with the politics, partly to do with the player pathways and development. Mm. And I'm, from I'm, that, okay. casting a, <laughs> I'm casting around for, you know, as Ian Jury once said, reasons to be cheerful. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'm really, really struggling. And I've always been somebody who says, well, you know, don't worry about what the other lot are doing. Concentrate on what you're good at and concentrate on what your strengths are and build on that. Don't try and copy anybody else. But at the minute, it it just looks all over the place. And from friends down there, and I don't claim to know the Welsh scene intimately off the pitch uh, or on it, frankly, uh, these days, um, it, there doesn't seem to be any real strategy behind it that mm. everybody can agree on. And in a small country, and Wales sometimes does, doesn't recognise what a small country it is economically as as much as anything, you've all got to be on the same page. Mm. You've mm. really all got to be on the same page yeah. right through the whole sport. And if you're not, and Wales, Welsh rugby has, 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 is renowned for its politicking, um, then you're not going to be very successful. Um, it comes to a... It's a pretty pass when you look at the two Scottish teams and you think how small the game is in Scotland because of the huge giant that's football in that country, they're probably in better shape than Wales are. Yeah, well, I'll tell you one of the things that interests me about Wales, and Mark, you have a, a few on this, is, is, is the Ospreys and, and the takeover mm. that happened and investment from from China. Hong Kong. Hong Kong. Yeah. And what do they see in, in the in the possibilities of of Welsh rugby and, and of the Ospreys? Because as you've just both so eloquently put it, it it's in a hole. But they there's a lot of money being put into that into that franchise into that region. Mm. Franchise, sorry, Jonesy. Um yeah, it's franchise. What mm. what um why? What, what do they see in it? I, I, I haven't met them. I, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I, I'm, I would imagine it's a a bet, as it were, on the future of the sport as opposed mm. to the future of uh, a particular area in Wales. Yeah. And that would be my that would be my guess. Um, but you know, even such a real simple thing. This is very very nerdy. But you know, the English Premiership clubs got loans from the government, and some of them took over 10 million pounds okay and understandably in covid they'd lost a awful lot of money and this was a way to hopefully trade their way out the welsh regions didn't get that they got a commercial loan from that west because the welsh rugby union for whatever reason and the welsh government for whatever reason did not go down the same route where you give them a long-term soft loan to your clubs because they have cultural importance and so now you think when all said and done, rugby is still very, very culturally important in Wales. And for to load up the regions with even more debt during a pandemic strikes me as almost inexplicable, mm-hmm. and I just don't get it. I know that's all a bit sort of no, financial no. engineering stuff, but it just puts those regions that are, are or, you know, don't have lost their crowds to a significant degree, are struggling on the pitch... Um, you try and turn any club around on and off the pitch if you're also battling a financial crisis, and you know, good luck. I also think, uh, guys, that um, 
the, the, the weakness of the team has, has hit made a huge hole in, in the Pro 14 as it was oh, and, yeah. is, and is one of the reasons why they've had to look elsewhere because mm. uh, say, say the Scarlets, Ospreys and Dragons or, or, or Blues, it, say three of them have been competitive, uh, really competitive, well then, then suddenly you're forcing the Irish teams to play full sides in Wales and, 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 and also it helps the European Cup and I think the European Cup is, as, as uh, uh, Heineken Cup has suffered because because there's no Welsh, hardly any representation. But I just ask you this: this lastly, um, you can only play for Wales now if, if uh, unless you've already in a contract, unless you play your 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 domestic rugby in Wales. Thomas Francis is the last person who's come back. Others, Will Rowlands, who's played really well, uh, has come back. That that's all very well, and you want the the teams to be strong. But doesn't there come a point when the teams are so are so weak? that players going there as individuals have their careers set back because of the environment? I find that one quite tricky to answer because I'd want to have a much better feel for the environment in those clubs. You know, And I've been mm. around long enough to know that sometimes clubs that are not performing particularly well on the park for one reason or another nevertheless have a very good environment and... And, and actually they will come around. I mean, for example, we, we've talked about one or two of them today, London Irish. I mean, well, they haven't won a game yet, have they? But I, I don't think there's any signs that London Irish's environment is anything other than really very good, indeed. Mm. So I'm, I'm loath to sort, of, to sort of go down that route without having more information, I suppose. Your point, however, still stands. I totally, under, I totally get it that smaller rugby economies, and Wales is a smaller rugby economy have to put things in place to mitigate against what other eyes would see a, a mass exodus of on financial reasons. One of the other... Wales has got a lot of problems which of its own making. It's also got some not of its own making, which, frankly, it's almost got to just ignore. It's right next to two much, much bigger rugby economies. You know, it is... You can live in South Wales and play for five premiership teams. Mm. You, you don't even have to move, mm. you know. It's not that far to France. You know, it really it really does. It, it's always going to come under pressure from those two much, much... It's never going to be able to compete on salary for the, for the ordinary professional. Wales's future has to be, I would argue, player development. It's got to get more young people, of men and women, playing the game... And then coming through and being well developed, it, they're, they're, that is the, the the natural advantage Wales still has is its resonance with its population. And if that goes, and people stop playing it, and therefore there are fewer of the best athletic talent to draw from, and Wales has always drawn much of the best athletic talent from the country into rugby, football as well, of course, but but rugby is on certainly on a par. If it loses that, and I think the most worrying signs are people like Reece Samet went to Gloucester. Mm. You know, there's two or three guys down at the Chiefs who are Welsh age group who went to Exeter. Mm. If that trickle becomes a flood, then you really can't. I really then can't see a way back. Okay. Well, that, that, that we're talking about a low point uh, this weekend, and uh, Mark's. Uh, hinting there, we may be, not be at the lowest. Alex, just to be a little more cheerful now. I think all of us in this in this studio 
we always like the idea of of new teams coming through. Hopefully, uh, Fiji, Tonga, Samoa, and these guys, uh, Japan, uh, to to contend at the top. That's slightly uh, beyond at the moment. But Chile um, uh, have beaten Canada in two in a two leg uh, playoff for a place in France. They now go on to uh, for two legs with the USA, um, and the winners there do go to go to France. This weekend also, uh, Uruguay beat the USA over two legs and they are already in the final. They'll be uh, in the finals. They'll be with, for their sins, France, New Zealand and Italy, which is not the easiest. <laughs> uh, fair play. Let's talk about Uruguay. They're tough old boys, aren't they? And they're, they're, they are a tough team and they certainly ne- have never disgraced themselves. So, But to beat the, the USA, the great emerging team, uh, first of all, it wouldn't be a... Wouldn't be a surprise to any of us who listened to Gary Gold in South Africa where we had a lovely chat with him and, you know, he's doing his best, but the, the, the things, the the the, ob, the um, obstacles put in his way are still enormous there. But uh, Uruguay, good, but Chile is, an, is a new name. Yeah, so I'll, I'll be interested to know what Gary Gold would have to say because when I saw the USA at Twickenham against England in the summer, I, I thought there were, there were some really positive signs about how they were preparing for these qualifiers. Um, so that's a savage blow for, for them to lose that. N- not as much of a savage blow as it was for Canada, who now won't be at the World Cup for the first time. And to lose with, with Kingsley Jones and Rob Howley in, mm. in that coaching team, to, to lose over two legs to Chile, who um, will now play the USA for a place in England's group at the World mm. Cup. Mm. Um, it, is, it is great for the growth of the game, as, as, as brutal as it will be for Canada. And there's a lot of... You know, I think if if Gary Gold has hurdles in the USA, things are even tougher in, in Canada for Kingsley Jones and mm. and Rob Howley. Um, but for you know, let's celebrate Chile and and they, they they now have two shots at making the World Cup. They play the USA, and if they lose that, they then go into the repechage. So to, to have a new team compete at the World Cup would, would be brilliant in France if if they make it. And sure. and strategically. Um, there, there's a there's an interesting story possibly starting to emerge. I don't again. You don't want to overcall this. Just mm-hmm. it's fantastic that Chile and Uruguay have got got to a World Cup potentially, but you look at the side that is really going to get hit hardest by the realignment of the Southern Hemisphere, with the South Africans coming to Europe and Australasia partnering with. Eventually, it will be Japan and the islands. Mm. The country, the, the rugby nation that is left isolated, is mm. clear. It's it's Argentina. And again, you can't do anything about your geography. Wales can't help but be next to England. Argentina can't do anything about being isolated and a long way from any other big rugby nation. If, and it's a huge if, but if you were looking to put investment into growing another pocket of competition and maybe a South American league, Chile, Uruguay, Argentina, Argentina is the big big dog amongst those Mm. three, that's got to be worth a look it's a 20 30 year project but that's what it takes if you're going to grow another market it takes planning it ain't going to happen on its own on the subject of markets um uh, just before we go to our god goddess of the week uh, there's quite a storm has been blown up um with um the agents players agents versus the clubs alex um first of all could you just explain in outline uh, for our viewers what the um what the problem is, and then we go to Mark, who I'm sure has got no opinions on okay. this whatsoever. <laughs> in in brief, 
HMRC have been examining football and have issued guidelines about uh, payments to agents. Now, in, in traditionally, they've been deemed as a 50-50 split, um, but the club would pay the agent and then the player would pay tax on his half of that payment as a benefit in kind. HMRC have decided that it's not a 50-50 split and the agent is... Uh, the deal is of sole benefit to the player Hmm. now the premiership clubs have said we will now no longer pay the agent it's down to the player Hmm. and and that's where the standoff has has arisen because the agents don't want don't don't want to have to get their players to set up standing orders uh, and their their impact on the potential size of contracts a 100 grand contract in order to be worth 100 grand might now have to be worth 100 and 10 grand to okay. cover VAT and such like that. And also the agents as well as the players are going are gonna to lose out under that. What can you do about HMRC though, Mark? This should have happened years ago. And in fact, the clubs in the Premiership tried to make it happen years ago because there's no question at all that agents work for players. And, and, and rightly so. And players do need, a, regardless of what the sort of the sort of view among some of the public, oh, why do they have agents? It's you know, Well, they need agents because if you're a 21-year-old, 22-year-old, and you're going in to negotiate your salary with Steve Diamond, for example, love him, great guy, um, but that's quite intimidating. You know, so, so, of course, they need, um, they need some representation. Um, but traditionally, and it all happened in the early years and I was around in 97, you know, when, when the contracts were like 40 grand and there were loads of agents around and um, they, they were all quite small companies then. There were hundreds of them. Some of them were good, some of them were bad. And they were tiny, tiny. They'd go, oh, look, can you pay the fees? And we go, oh, 10%, 4 grand, yeah, what the hell, you know. You need Richard Hill for 40 grand. I mean, I did that deal. Mm. You know, things have changed. Um, now the numbers are much, much, much higher. And we've still got agents being paid by the clubs when they're clearly, HMRC are absolutely right. It is a service to the player and it should be negotiated between the player and his agent. There are only about four or five agencies now. There's been huge consolidation in the market. So these agencies that exist have offices all over the rugby world. They've got one in Ireland, they've got mm. one in France, Japan, Australasia, etc., etc. So it is a nonsense to say... Well, no, your club should still play them. Of course, they shouldn't, and it's it's not ten percent anymore, but it, it it it's still a significant amount. Why don't the agents want to do it? Well, because they don't think the the players will be as regular payers, because you've got to set up something with every mm-hmm. single player, mm-hmm. and they have trouble getting money out of the club sometimes. Let's let's be honest, they'll have a damn sight more trouble getting out of out of the hundreds of players on their books. So. There's a massive incentive for the agents to keep things as there are. There's a massive incentive for the clubs to keep to, to change things. The players, and I see Rob Baxter has come out over the weekend and said it's up for the players to you know tell their agents what they want. Hmm. Um, it's interesting also because, of course, the players will also be paying the agent out of their taxed income. Hmm. Now... If, if you're on, keep the numbers very simple, you're on 100,000 and you're paying 10%, nobody does anymore, well, let's keep the you're going to pay your agent 10 grand. But if you've only got a tax of tax paid income of 65, 70 after tax, that is a whopping 10 grand, is a huge percentage. So I think the clubs 
are right, and I know people will say, oh, well, he would, wouldn't he? But I honestly think it's pretty simple. You, In any other walk of life, whoever provides the service gets paid by the client, and that's what this is. Alex? So the, the impact of this, and one of the reasons that the agents were so unhappy was the clubs just decided it without any consultation. Yeah, that's a fair point. And so they went from a system that has been working since the dawn of professionalism to suddenly going, we're changing this, and they didn't discuss it. So the agents now are not negotiating any new contracts for next season and they're not working on any recruitment because mm. um, of this standoff, which this week is due to go to mediation. Now, I was told that once talks begin, they'll probably reach a solution fairly quickly. I agree. Mm. But this standoff has happened. And, and I, so, so the, there's been some sort of quite hysterical chat about an exodus of players and French clubs and Japanese clubs being aware of this standoff and mm. will swoop in and sign loads of players because there are no talks going on. Mm. I don't think that th- th- there's a, a risk, but I don't think that'll happen because actually, once they get around the table, they will come to a solution whereby if there is a scenario where the, a club, there has been some benefit to the club because the club might have phoned the agent and said, We need a tight head. Do you have any? Can you help us? They might find a way of yeah. demonstrating a portion of that of that fee being of benefit to the club. Yeah, you want to be careful there because they're called scouting arrangements and they were away around the salary cap. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, idea, so, anyway, there's there's likely... Okay, maybe scratch that. <laughs> no, no, but, but, but your, your general point <laughs> is a sound one. It. There's got to be a negotiated settlement on this. You cannot just impose it. That's just, yeah. poor, that's just poor politics. Mark, yeah. can, can you believe it? The, the Times number one rugby writer comes up with a shifty way around it like that. Well, Absolutely uh, incredible. It's extraordinary. I'm going to tell you what, I'm making sure they've signed that contract, honestly. <laughs> Lads and Jess, thanks very much. Uh, covered a heck of a lot of ground today. We now move on swiftly to our god or goddess of the week. Uh, number one, Alex Lowe, we'll go to you. Thank you. Um, I think my... I'm going to have to pick Marcus Smith from being there on Friday night and probably trumped probably Trump Mark with that selection. There were a couple of other moments which caught my particularly a pass from Max Malin's uh, no look out the back of his hand, um, which was just brilliant. Mm. And I think he could have a big autumn for England. But mm. I just, there are a couple of Harlequins you could pick, but I just don't think there's any way around Marcus Smith and particularly that try he scored. Mark Evans? Um, I'm going to put pick an un, the unknown supporter um as my goddess of the week. And I, I, I took huge, you know what I'm like in the growth of the sport and stuff. It's, it's the thing that sort of I'm most interested in. And I never thought I'd hear this. I was standing on the platform at Twickenham Station after the game. Um, every, once it was on the bloody station, everybody was very, very hyped up. It had been a great night. And I happened to be standing next to a family group, uh, a, a young lad about 14, and it must have been his sister and her friend and their mum and dad. And I had my back to one of the girls, and you couldn't, I wasn't earwinging, you just couldn't help but hear. And she said, they've talked about things, I said, Can we get a season ticket, Dad? Can we get a season ticket? I thought, That's great. And then she said something even more sort of, sort of joyful. She said, I'm going to play for them one day, and I'm going to play on the stoop. And I thought, That's what it's about. Wow. That is it about. And I don't know who you are on the 10, 20, 53 out of Twickenham to Waterloo, but you are my goddess of the week. All right. That's very two very good ones. Mine, uh, number, number second is Craig Maxwell Keys for me, because yesterday when the whole crowd, every member of the opposition, everyone on the TV, 
and the television match official wanted him to send off a, a wasp player for a high shot. He quite correctly didn't because the the guy's arm had gone in low and bounced off the uh, the ball under the under the uh, attacking player's arm, bounced up and hit him on the head. And Maxwell Keys was spot on to avoid the rat pack of people who wanted him to be red carded. But I'm afraid I can't do better than Mark Evans. No. I can do better than Alex Lowe because <laughs> my number one this week has got to be the god of the times, Alex Lowe. <laughs> the man who's had... The, the job has been done for 270 years. Charles Darwin was the first rugby correspondent of, of the times. Since then, there's been so many more... And there's been no more deserving bloke uh, to, to get the number one, except Slotty Peter, and Peter West and a few others. Uh, but well done, Alex. He's my God of the Week. But I don't know about you, uh, Lowy, but I think we're going to go with Mark. Yeah. Mark's girl on the train. Outstanding. Who's going to play on the stoop for Harlequins. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next Monday. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.